If you will, get your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. When I come up here each morning, I have about four things that I have to turn on. And I always forget one. Last week, I forgot to turn on the recording mic. And when it played, it sounded like I was in a faraway drum somewhere. But if you have found your place for 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1, let's stand in honor of reading God's word. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and which also you stand, by which you are also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you of first importance what I received that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles, and not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Father, we come to you and we thank you so much, God, for your infallible, true, without mixture of error word. God, let it speak to our hearts today and move us closer to you. We ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. The resurrected life. What a day that this day is set aside for, for us to to remember what Christ has done. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord, from the dead, is the very cornerstone of Christian doctrine. It is the, the very essence of the gospel. Without the resurrection, we don't have a gospel. If Jesus did not rise from the grave, preaching of the gospel would be in vain. All who have gone and fallen asleep in Christ would be dead. We would have no hope. We of all mankind would be most miserable. However, we know that Jesus did rise. Amen? He rose from the grave. He He gave infallible proofs of it. He appeared to His disciples and they saw Him. They heard Him. And He ate and He drank and with them. And He converted 
uh, he, excuse me, he conversed with two followers on the road to Emmaus. The disciples touched his hands and his side and heard his voice. And his appearances varied. He comes through shut doors to talk to them. He cooks breakfast on the seashore for them. He appeared to over 500 people. And the New Testament Christianity is a doctrine of His resurrection. It is so important that Christianity rises or falls on the truth uh, or not truth in His resurrection. If Jesus did not live past the grave, then all hope is gone for mankind. This is, but there is no such thing as believing in Jesus only as a good man or prophet. No, He is Jesus. He is the Son of the living God who came to take the sin of the world away. And He won the victory for us. He died upon that cross, dying in our stead. It was our sin that was placed upon Him. And they buried Him. They put Him in that tomb. And He arose on the third day. And as we follow Him, that will be the same outcome for us. There is no no doubt about it that He is alive. We sung that song today that He's alive. And I know He's alive, as the song says, because He, he lives within my heart. And not only that, as I heard another songwriter write, I talked to Him this morning. I've talked to Him several times this morning, praying that His presence would be here in power. He won over sin and death because He arose. So we come to the investigation of the resurrection. And we must examine the evidence. Paul's proclamation to the gospel. We see it here in verses 1 and 2. Let me read it to you again, uh, these two verses. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach, that's being Paul, to you, which also you received and which also you stand by which you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. As I've already stated, the resurrection is the very cornerstone of the gospel message. Jesus defeated sin. He he won the battle. It is taken care of. And he's conquered death. There's no reason to be afraid of death for the believer. He arose. Paul preached the gospel to the believers in Corinth. And they received it. They received the gospel. And there they took their stand. This week as I've been looking over this text and and that word stand. I shared with Tracy, I said that there's just so much more to that word stand. It has power in it. It has, it has much meaning. It's, it's in depth. And I must get to the depth of the meaning that they received the word and they took their stand. There's power there. There's, there's, much power. They, they received it. How did they receive it? They received it by faith. They believed. When the gospel was preached to them, they believed. 
they received it by faith. And they, because of that, they took their stand. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 says, For this reason we also continually thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of man, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. Upon receiving, they took their stand. What's going wrong today? There are those who are not receiving the gospel, and therefore they cannot stand. Scripture says they are dead in their trespasses and sin. A dead person cannot stand. A person whose legs are weak cannot stand. The gospel tells us that Jesus died a sin-atoning death on the cross for you and, and for me while we were yet spiritually dead in our sin. Christ died for us. He took on our sin. He paid the debt that we owe. And by rising from the dead to life, we can receive life in Him. And we become a new creation in Him. We will be alive in Him. And we can stand strong by believing the gospel. Our stand is what we live for. My friends, do you, do you live for Christ today? He's worth living for. He's worth surrendering to. He's worth giving our all to. He's everything. He is our hiding place. Psalms 91 tells us. Yesterday I received another call from another friend who shared with me that he had cancer. He wants me to hold off on putting on a prayer list before he gets some more results in. But I knew he was worried. I, I knew he was hurting. And so last night, I sent him Psalms 91. And I said, pray, brother, and trust Christ. Trust Him with all your heart, mind, and soul. Psalms 18. I've always loved this psalm. I love the psalms. It says that He is our rock. He says, the psalmist says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. Oh, beloved, receive what the Lord has done. Receive the gospel, the good news that He has accomplished on our behalf that we can stand with strength and stand on a rock, a solid foundation. He is our salvation. Verse 2, 
of our back to our text is by which also you are saved if you hold fast the word which I preach to you unless you believe in vain. It is essential to hear the gospel for salvation. Paul says in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greeks. My friends, there's nothing that we do that brings the power. It is God. It is His good news. It's His gospel that we share to others. And, and it's God that does the work. Those who believed received the gospel. They heard and they took their stand and were saved. They were saved by the grace of God by placing their faith in the grace of what God has done, in faith they stand and have hope. Christ is our hope. Amen? And it is not like a worldly hope, like it's like a, almost a guess-so, hope-so type thing. No, it's a sure hope. It is real hope that we have our hope in Christ, and in Christ alone. We don't depend on our goodness. Because in Romans 3, it says, no, not one is good. It's Him. It's Christ. He's good. God made Christ, who knew no sin, to become Sin on our behalf upon that cross. Our sin was placed upon Him. So that we may become His righteousness. Romans 5, verses 5 and 6. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For we were still helpless. It says we were, too, we were still helpless. It means we were too weak to stand. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's for you and that's for me. Back to our text, Paul says, hold fast. Some want to claim this means that you can lose your salvation if you lose your grip. But it's not. It's a warning against non-saving faith. It's a warning that you just like the idea. That you just want a little fire insurance. That you just want not to go to hell. But you have no thought of surrendering to Christ and holding fast to the faith. Holding fast will show evidence of genuine salvation. A true faith is a persevering faith. It is one that will go to the end. It is a faith that stands strong. When one's faith is in vain, it is, 
It was never real. Faith, I believe I shared this Wednesday night, but faith is a faith that sweats. Some people say that Paul and James had a disagreement when Paul would say, faith alone. And James would come in and say in his book, and he would say that works with, faith without works is dead. No, they did not disagree. They were on the same page. All Paul is saying is that it has, you can't be saved by works. You're saved by faith alone. However, faith produced works. And that's why faith sweats. It's active. It's ongoing. It's not just sitting on a pew at certain times of the week. It's being active and loving the Lord and serving Him with all your, your might that you want to live for Christ and serve Him. And you want to love others and be a vessel for the Lord Jesus Christ. It lines up with Scripture. What does Paul tell us? What happened? How did this come about? First of all, he says Christ died. Christ died. The Son of God dying is the center point of the Gospel. It is salvation to those who believe. It didn't only say Christ died. He said Christ died for our sins. He died for our sins. For we have all sinned and came short of the glory of God. There's not a one in, our, in this room today that has not sinned. And I might add there's not a one in this room today that hasn't sinned this past week. We're corrupted with a sin nature and we need a Savior. And that Savior is the Lord Jesus Christ who died for our sins. The Father laid upon Him, God the Son, all the guilt and the wrath of sins uh, for our sins. It was taking on that what the Father hates. That's why in the garden He prayed and said, Father, if it be Your will, let this cup pass from me. But not my will be done. Let your will be done. And that cup, that cup was every sin that mankind has ever committed was in that cup. And not only that, the wrath of God was going to be mixed in that cup. And oh, what a combustion that is for those two to come and God comes down with His wrath upon the sin of mankind that was placed upon Jesus Christ who was up on the cross. And that's why he cried, 
Why have you forsaken me? He was feeling the very wrath of God that we should receive. But he took it from us. If we'll put our faith in him and trust him and live our lives for him. It was according to the scripture. According to the scriptures. In Isaiah 53. Verses 3 through 5. It puts it very powerfully. It says he being Jesus was despised. And forsaken of men. A man of sorrows. And acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions, he was crushed. For our iniquities. In verse 10 says, But the Lord was pleased to crush him to grief. God the Father was pleased to crush His Son for your sin and for my sin. The chastening for our well-being fell upon Him. And by His scourging, we are healed. It was all for our sins. The responsibility for His death. He did not die because of some political reason or cause. Nor could he die for that reason. Because the wages of sin is death. In order for him to die, to suffer from the wrath of God, was because of our sin that was placed on him. He took it. Scripture says he was buried. He died there on the cross. He didn't go into a coma. He died. They came by and pierced his side and blood and water came out. It is proof positive that he really died. His death was confirmed at the cross. His burial fulfilled the scriptures. It is very much a part of the gospel was his burial. In Isaiah 53, 9, it says, And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich man at his death. He was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. He was buried and he was raised. Listen, you, you might ask, How does one know that he died? And that he died for our sins. 
and was buried and that he was raised on the third day. Well, it, over and over here it says it was according to the Scriptures. What is the Scriptures? It's God's holy Word. It's God breathed. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. By faith, we receive the living Word of God. Sin was defeated and death was conquered. Scripture was fulfilled. It was witnesses to the, to the living Christ. Verse 5 says that He appeared to Cephas and Peter and then to the uh, over 500 in verse 6. Brethren. And He appeared to James and then all the apostles. And Paul goes on and says, and to me, one who persecuted the church. Paul wasn't looking for him to see Jesus. He was on his way to persecute Christians. He was going to Damascus. And Jesus appeared to him and called him. Oh, what a Savior. So we get to verse 9. It says, For I am the least of the apostles, and not fit to be called the apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more. See, there's that sweat. He said it was by grace, but He said I labored more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God. It's by the grace of God that we can serve Him. It's by the grace of God that we can pray for others. And that we can hurt for others. And that we pray that God would let us minister to others' needs. Beloved, it's not just for the pastor or the deacon. It's for every born-again believer to share in the ministry of Christ. To be called a Christian is to be Christ-like. It's to do what Christ would do. It's to be filled with the Spirit of God. To know peace, hope, love, joy, forgiveness, gentleness. And exhibit that to others. And so Paul says, whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Certainly the preacher 
must minister to others for others to know that he loves them. And I, I know I wear it out talking about Romans 5.5, 5, but I'm so thankful for Romans 5.5 5 because it says that he pours his love out into us that we may channel it to others. Oh, what a Savior. What a plan of God that he demonstrated his love toward us. Yet while we were still sinners, let me put it another way, yet while we were still against him and sinning against him, he sent his son to die so that we may be saved, so that we may have the peace and the love Resurrection is powerful. I've covered it a couple times in the past few weeks, but I love that this is not my home. That I'm just a pilgrim, a sojourner. I am just passing through. The good is yet to come. Oh, I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed in this life because of Christ and for Christ alone. He gets all the glory. He gets all the praise. For I deserve hell. But yet, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We truly cannot wrap our mind around this eternity. In everything that we do, we're looking at a clock or we're looking at a watch and say, so, well, I've got to be at this doctor's appointment at this time and I've got to be at work at this time and I really need to go to sleep at this time and I need to do this and this. If only I had time. Why can't people do some things? Because they don't have time. But eternity doesn't have a clock. There's no time. It is a place where we'll never grow old. Preacher, how old are we going to be in heaven? I don't have a clue. They don't matter because we're going to have perfect bodies that don't ache. It has no pain. I heard someone guess that we'd be 33 because that's what Jesus was when he died on the cross. It doesn't matter if we're 2,004 years old with a perfect body. Because again, there won't be years because <laughs> there's not going to be time. And when Jesus was taking those 39 stripes across his back, 
He knew that the time was coming. When they plucked his beard and spit in his face, he knew his time was coming. When they nailed the nails in his hands and his feet, they shoved the crown of thorns down on his brow. One interesting thing that they put over his head was he's the king of the Jews. Well, he's not only the king of the Jews, he's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. He is the almighty. And one day we'll stand before him. Is he your king today? Is he your Lord today? He's paid an ultimate price for you. We go back to 1 Corinthians 15 and we're going to skip some verses and we're going to jump down to verse 50 and I'm not going to do a whole lot of preaching of it. I just want to read it to you. The subtitle over verse 50 in my Bible says, The Mystery of the Resurrection. Paul says, Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we all will be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on the immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal have put on the immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. So Paul closes out this chapter on resurrection. And he says, oh, what a day that day is going to be when we all put on the imperishable or the immortality and we live forever and have no pain forever and it says as we see that coming and know that that day is coming that that he calls out the brethren who are the brethren there are the christians to be steadfast immovable to keep the faith to persevere in the faith and doing what God has called us to do, abounding in the work of the Lord. Have that faith that sweats, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Noah preached for 120 years while he was building the ark. And the only one that believed his message 
was his family. It says in the last days will be like the days of Noah. There was a lot of sin going on in the days of Noah. A lot. And I'm sure there was a lot of justifications of people telling about how good they were and how God doesn't mind someone having a good time. But one day, Noah had the animals, excuse me, God had the animals and Noah to get on the ark. Noah didn't shut the door to the ark. God did. God shut the door. And the rain began. And the waters began to rise. And I can hear the people knocking and screaming. And God destroyed the world by a flood. And he set a rainbow in the sky that he would never destroy the world again by a flood. But scripture tells us that this world is going to burn with a fervent heat. I have lost family members. I have lost friends. You have lost family members. You have lost friends. Pray. And share the gospel. Tell them about the resurrection. Tell them about the love of Jesus. Beg them. Plead with them. That's what Paul said he did in First Corinthians, excuse me, Second Corinthians 5:20. He said, "I urge you." Some translation says, "I beg you." The first time I ever had to preach a funeral of a friend, and I've shared this, they had his body at the Mulhern Mausoleum, and he and I had worked together for many years, and his family asked me to do his funeral. And I got there early. I got there before the family did. I got there just about the time the funeral home did. And they went ahead and opened his casket there in the mausoleum. And I went up and I, I, I looked at my friend. And I said, did I ever tell you about Jesus? And it hurt. I couldn't recall a time that I specifically sat with him and talked with him about Christ. <coughs> Christ. 
And as you know, there was another story about a preacher that did the same thing, and his name was Brother Fred Hale. He met my brother one day on horseback. They just happened to be riding toward one another on their horses. They stopped and they talked about horses. And as they were saying their byes, and as my brother turned his horse and was going another way, Brother Fred said, Oh, I should have shared the gospel with him that night. Crazy as it sounds, Brother Fred's brother and my brother both going in the opposite direction, hit head on. And they both died. Brother Fred's brother was at a funeral home just a few, a little small ways away from what the funeral home we was at. And he left his brother's wake and came over to us and, that time, none of my family were saved. But he shared with them how he hurt. And then y'all know the rest of the story. He led my brother, my other brother, to Christ. He led my mom to Christ at the age of 62. He led my dad to Christ. Christ at the age of 74, and he led my girlfriend, who's now my wife, to Christ when she was 24. How many people do we let pass by? And oh, if we even thinking that his coming is a long ways off, I'm getting calls every week of someone who's got cancer or got a heart issue or carotid or arteries that stopped up. It's no time to be just sitting on our lees. It's time to be sharing the gospel of this great and wonderful news about what this day represents. That Christ won the victory for us. And we should strive and labor for him. Amen. Let's pray. Father, Lord God, we come to you and we thank you so much, God, for your goodness and your mercy. Father, we, we love you and we thank you for your grace. Guide us and strengthen us. Let us be known to stand and have our hope placed in you. We ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing number.